Part two, chapter seven of Mushrooms on the Moor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Lillis. Mushrooms on the Moor by Frank W. Borum. Part two, chapter seven. Tramp, tramp, tramp. One. Tramp, 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 tramp. It was like the regular and rhythmic beat of a great machine. File after file, column after column, I watched the troops pass by. Tramp, 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 tramp. On they went, and on and on, all in perfect time and step. Tramp, 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 tramp. It reminded me of that haunting passage that tells us that all these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to make David king over all Israel. They could keep rank. It's a suggestive record. There is more in it than it appears on the surface. They could keep rank. Right, left, right, left, tramp, 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 tramp. All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to make David king over all Israel. 2. Half of the art of life lies in learning to keep step. It is a great thing, a very great thing, to be able to get on with other people. Let me indulge in a little autobiography. I once had a most extraordinary experience, an experience so altogether amazing that all subsequent experiences appear like the veriest commonplaces in comparison. The fact is, I was born— such a thing had never happened to me before, and I was utterly bewildered. I did not know what to make of it. My first impression was that I was all alone, and that I had the solar system all to myself. Like Robinson Crusoe, I fancied myself monarch of all I surveyed. But then, like Robinson Crusoe, I discovered a footprint, and found that the planet on which I had been so mysteriously cast was inhabited. There were two of us, myself and the other fellow." As soon as I could devise means of locomotion, I set out, like Robinson Crusoe, to find out what the other fellow was like. I had a kind of instinct that sooner or later I should have to fight him. I found that he differed from me in one essential particular. He had hundreds of millions of heads. I had but one. He had hundreds of millions of feet, hundreds of millions of hands, hundreds of millions of ears and eyes. I had but two. But for all that, it never occurred to me that he was greater than I. Myself always appeared to me to be vastly more important than the other fellow. It was nothing to me that he starved so long as I had plenty of food. It was nothing to me that he shivered so long as I was wrapped up snugly. I do not remember that it ever once crossed my mind in the first six months of my existence that it would be a bad thing if he died with all his hundreds of millions of heads and left me all alone upon the planet. I was first and he was nowhere. I was everything and he was nothing. Why, dear me, I must have cut my first teeth before it occurred to me that there was room on the planet for both of us. And I must have cut my wisdom teeth before I discovered that the world was on the whole more interesting to me because of his presence in it. And since then, I have spent some pains, in a blundering, unskillful kind of way, in trying to make myself tolerable to him. And the longer I live, the more clearly I see that, although he is an odd fellow at times, he is very quick to respond to and reciprocate such advances." He is discovering, as am I, that walking in step has a pleasure peculiar to itself. 3. I said a moment ago that half the air of life lies in learning to keep step. Conversely, half the tragedy of life consists in our failure to do so. Here are Mr. and Mrs. Cardew. All lovers of Mark Rutherford know them well. They were both of them really excellent people, a minister and his wife, deeply attached to one another, and yet as wretched as wretched could be. How are you going to account for it? It is vastly important just because it is so common. Domestic difficulties rarely arise out of downright wickedness. Husband and wife may be as free from all outward fault as poor Mr. and Mrs. Cardew. 
mark rutherford thinks that mr cardew was chiefly to blame and his verdict is probably just a man takes a considerably longer stride than a woman but for all that it is still possible even in these days of hobble skirts for man and maid to walk in step as all true lovers know but it can only be managed by his moderating his ungainly stride to her more modest one and perhaps by her unconsciously lengthening her step under the invigorating influence of his support which is a parable mark rutherford says that quote, mr cardew had not learned the art of being happy with his wife he did not know that happiness is an art he rather did everything he could to make the relationship intolerable he demanded payment in coin stamped from his own mint and if bullion and jewels had been poured before him he would have taken no heed of them he did not take into account that what his wife said and what she felt might not be the same that persons who have no great command over language are obliged to make one word do for a dozen and that if his wife was defective at one point there were in her whole regions of unexplored excellence of faculties never encouraged and an affection to which he offered no response there is more philosophy in the cunning way in which the happy lovers in the lane accommodate their strides to the comfort of each other than we have been accustomed to suspect it is done very easily it is done almost unconsciously but they must be very careful to go on doing it long after they have left the leafy old lane behind them four i do not mean to suggest that husbands and wives are sinners above all people on the face of the earth by no means is there a club a society an officer a church in the wide wide world that does not shelter a most excellent individual whose one and only fault is that he cannot get on with anybody else that is of course my way of putting it it is not his he would say that nobody else can get on with him which again takes our minds back to the troops a raw scotch lad joined that expeditionary force and on the first parade day his mother and sister came proudly down to see him march jock sad to say was out of step at least that's my way of putting it but it is not the only way look mother said his fond sister look they're out of step but our jock it is not for me to decide whether jock is right or whether the others are but since the others are all in step with each other i'm afraid the presumptive evidence is rather heavily against jock and jock is well known to all of us nobody likes him and nobody knows why they don't like him in many respects he is a paragon of goodness he loves his church or he would not have stuck to it year in and year out as he has done he is not self-assertive he is willing to efface his own personality and be invisible he is generous to a fault nobody is more eager to do anything for the general good and yet nobody likes him the only thing against him is that he has never disciplined himself to get on with other people he has never tried to accommodate himself to their stride he can't keep rank they're out a step but our jock poor jock five i know that out of all this a serious problem emerges the problem is this why should jock destroy his own personality in order to render himself an exact replica of every other man in the regiment is individuality an evil thing that must be wiped out and obliterated the answer to this objection is that jock is not asked to sacrifice his personality he is asked to sacrifice his angularity the ideal of british discipline is not to turn men into machines but to preserve individuality and initiative and yet at the same time to make each man of as great value to his comrades as is by any means possible in the church we do the same brown means well but he is all gush you ask him to do a thing oh certainly with the greatest pleasure in the world but you have an awkward feeling that he will undertake a thousand other duties in the same airy way and that the chances of his doing the work and doing it well are not rosy smith on the other hand is cautious he too means well but he is unduly scared of promising more than he can creditably fulfil and as a matter of fact this bogey frightens him out of doing as much as he might and should 
now here you have brown running and smith crawling you know perfectly well that brown will exhaust himself quite prematurely and that smith will never get there and between brown's excited scamper and smith's exasperating crawl the main host jogs along at a medium pace now brown's personality is a delightful thing you can't help loving him his willingness is charming and his enthusiasm contagious and smith's steady persistence and extreme conscientiousness are most admirable they do us all good but if whilst preserving and developing their personalities we could strip them of their angularities and get them to walk in step at one steady and regular pace tramp 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 we should surely stand a better chance of making david high king over all israel six it is all a matter of discipline the ploughman comes up from the country with a long ungainly stride the city man accustomed to crowded pavements comes with a short and mincing step they are drilled for a fortnight side by side and away they go right left right left tramp 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 the harmony is perfect jock must submit himself to the same rigid process of training he must be firmly convinced that the stride of the regiment is too short or too long but if on that ground he adopts a different one nobody but his gentle and admiring sister will believe that he is right and they are wrong jock's isolated attitude invariably reflects upon himself the whole regiment is out of step he declares drawing attention to his different stride that is too often the trouble with jock the members of our church do not read their bible he says it may be sadly true but it sounds put that way like a claim that he is the one conscientious and regular bible reader among them the members of our church do not pray he exclaims sadly it may be that a call to prayer is urgently needed but poor jock puts the thing in such a light that it appears to be a claim on his part that he alone knows the way to the throne of grace among the faithless faithful only he the members of our church are not spiritually minded he bemoans but somehow as he says it it sounds suspiciously like an echo of little jack horner's what a good boy am i in the correspondence of elizabeth fry there occurs a very striking and suggestive passage when mrs fry began to meet with great success in her work among the english prisons some of the quakers feared that her triumphs would engender pride in her own soul and destroy her spirituality at last the thing became nauseous and intolerable and she wrote quote, the prudent fears that the good have for me try me more than most things and i find that it calls for christian forbearance not to be a little put out by them i am confident that we often see the martha spirit of criticism enter in even about spiritual things o lord enable us to keep our ranks in righteousness tramp 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 seven and enoch walked with god and noah walked with god and abraham walked with god and moses walked with god tramp 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 all these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to make David king over all Israel. O Lord, enable us to keep our ranks in righteousness. End of Part 2, Chapter 7 of Mushrooms on the Moor